So that's it. I just completed the first week. The first week is over on the, the new school here, the new retreat in Bali. Um, I'm pretty tired. I don't mind admitting. I'm uh, maybe a little bit older than last time I taught <laughs> martial arts in this full-time way, um, but it's been good. If you don't know what I'm doing, uh, just as an update, let's try and get this mic right, is I, uh, well, me and some others, uh, me and Ronnie and then some others, um, some other teachers here, working together on a, a five-year-long retreat, essentially. It's nine months a year for five years that we're teaching here in Bali. So the school, this is one of the school buildings. This is the Nagong School, although at the moment we're teaching martial arts here because the other one's not ready. And then we have a second building that will be where the martial arts are based. So we have two school buildings, one group studying full-time martial arts, one group studying full-time Nagong and meditation. Then, of course, there's some uh, organic movement between those two schools, right? So me and a number of other teachers, maybe five others, six others, um, off the top of my head, are working together to run this full-time retreat. So students coming here, um, I hear five days a week, uh, Monday to Friday, they're training from morning till till afternoon. Soon they'll have evening classes as well, so it's quite intense. Um, and then weekends off, and that's what we're going to do for five years. So while we're here, we have uh, uh, three different groups, really, because we have groups doing Nagong, studying meditation and alchemy and Nagong, Qigong, um, and those guys... Uh, are looking at all the different aspects of internal work and then often coming in and out. Those guys often stay in for a couple of months at a time or three months at a time. So we have a kind of natural changeover of people for the most part. Then we have the Tai Chi group, which some people here studying Tai Chi, which will um, be a rolling program, but then other people are coming in and out for a few months. So we've got this sort of organic flow, people coming in and out, they're coming to do, from within our school, coming to do Tai Chi for a few months, or Qigong for a few months. A lot of people are coming for a couple of months, going home to their own countries, then coming back and sort of living between where they live in Bali now, which is, um, yeah, it's cool, it's nice having those people coming in and out. But then there's a third group, which I hear constantly, solidly for the whole time. Some people who are staying for a year, some people are already aiming to stay for five, um, but we'll see. But it's a bigger group than I thought. I was quite surprised. When we set this up, I thought, ah, oh, there's probably, you know, handful, seven or eight that will stay for the whole time. Nope. Turns out it was like nearly 40 are deciding to stay for the entire length of the retreat or as long as they are able. So those guys are taking a different route through the arts because they are studying sort of the arts in a very complete fashion or as complete as I can offer. So at the beginning, they're studying external martial arts which is what a lot of the training was this week. So Mabu, horse stance, walking and stepping and learning how to straight punch and things like this alongside also studying internal arts, beginning their, their study of Tai Chi, which um, is what we started this week. And then their evolution, if they stay for five years, will go through external arts into internal arts with uh, Tai Chi and Bagua. Um, and then Chinese medicine as well, probably alongside the Nagong. So quite a, quite a complete package. They're going to be pretty busy. There's not much time. There's not much free time for them here. <laughs> Even on weekends, I think they've got stuff to practice and uh, you know recuperation as well, which is a major major thing. So this is like the biggest teaching project I've personally undertaken. Um, it's similar to periods of full time training that I've done myself in different parts of the world. Um, and yeah, this is. This is kind of my attempt to offer that program, to offer it to people who want to study. It's a really nice group. We've got the first half of them here now. Um, we came for this month, and the next month the other half comes. So I've got been getting to know them. Um, everybody seems really cool. They're really nice. 
nice bunch of people. Um, quite a lot from Australia, which is unusual because normally we've been teaching in Europe, so it's a long way. So not normally had any Australians, but for the first time um, we do, and uh, that's cool. So yeah, a really nice group from all across the world come here to study martial arts at the center. And of course, they're also getting used to, some of them have never been to Asia, some of them have never left their own country before. Um, so it's cool watching them get used to life in Southeast Asia and all of the chaos that comes with living essentially in a town in the middle of a volcanic jungle which is basically where we are so it's good it's great and <clears throat> you know yeah i think everybody will have fun but <laughs> it's funny having got to the end of the first week because i started the week by asking them you know sort of finding out a bit more about what they want to study and and da -da -da, and chatting with them and then of course i dive straight into external martial arts training so we had the first lesson was uh, first martial arts training lesson was two and a half hours on mabu on horse stance um, looking at the nature of it and how to structure it properly so that it builds elasticity and sit into it so it's not like a contractive exercise and how to move in that stance and things like this. And then we had another two and a half hours on the, the straight punch that forms the, the muscular connection for both a, a jab and a cross, you know, that kind of practice. Um, alongside also learning how to release the weight and open the body for Tai Chi training. And then right now upstairs, I'm in the downstairs and they're all training up there at the moment. They're going through, it's the end of the week, so they've got their recuperative couple of hours of Qigong right now with a, with another teacher. Um, doesn't sound that recuperative. I can hear them banging on the floor, so <laughs> maybe it's more physical than I thought the lesson was going to be. For them. I thought they were on recuperation, but maybe not. So yeah, that's it, and, and the end of the first week. So I'm just wanting to chat about how that went, really. Um, yeah, and it's funny because... You know, I grew up with martial arts and, and I've been doing them uh, for a long time and, and I see the benefits of them, certainly martial arts training. Um, even though my main interest this day is Neigong and alchemy for sure, uh, the basis that I had in martial arts helped me out a great deal. But it's been really funny going back into a long-term retreat because of course I've just come out of what, like two years of COVID and then what has it been, a year since COVID, something like that? But whatever, it's been a, a long break in my standard teaching so during that time at the start of that period um at sort of start of 2020 end of 2019 wasn't it i decided to focus largely on meditation and internal work and that ended up me with me coming to southeast asia during the lockdown period and spending almost a year just focused on that nothing else so <laughs> it's funny I, I i did you know i, I overcome several hurdles in my meditation and my alchemy that I wanted to get past and the Neigong and understanding Qi. But I notice it when I go back into martial arts teaching now, because of course during that time I practiced my martial arts forms and sequences, but I, I you know, I, the body development went onto the back burner for sure. And after a week of teaching, it's like, okay, yeah, I remember martial arts teaching, uh, training is, is quite hard work, you know. Um, I didn't feel it as much as some of the people I'm teaching, of course, because their bodies maybe have never done those kind of shapes. But yeah, it reminded me it's going to take me a couple of weeks at least to get back into the rhythm of, of martial arts teaching, especially because I'm, I'm naturally quite an intense person, you know. So if I teach, I can't coach, I have to do. And the, the problem is that when you're doing and you, you have to demonstrate, you can't demonstrate half-assed. It, it's a funny thing when you teach. Like when you're in a class, say you're doing two hours of a punch, same punch over and over again, which is very much how I teach. I'm very repetitive. I like to get people doing the same thing over and over and over again, which 
mentally there's a reason for that because I want them to overcome boredom and I want them to develop discipline. And I think those two are kind of diametrically opposed. You can't have discipline if you still give in to boredom. And that's very much the early stages of martial arts training for me. It's like we have to override that mechanism so that if you get bored, it doesn't matter. Boredom is like a little child tugging at your sleeve because it wants sweets and you don't want to give in. You don't want to give in to that child or because it's bad for it. You have to, you have to overcome this feeling. So we sort of working through that training. And then if you're in there for two and a half hours, of course, what happens is people go hard and then they go soft and they go hard and then they get tired and they take it a bit easy and then they go hard, that's it. And your job as a teacher is to sort of motivate them to keep doing it properly, push, drive, get this technique correct. But of course, when you're on the stage in front of everybody demonstrating, you can't do it half assed You have to do it full pelt. So you realize that by the end of a class, you've, you've done a lot of full pelt techniques into the air. Um, when you're demonstrating something like the punches or whatever. So yeah, it's been hard work, uh, it's, but it's a challenge I really like. I really enjoy that challenge of teaching something like martial arts. And I think that it's probably for me, this five years, I mean, this will be the last time I do these kind of intense retreats, teaching them. I, I've, I've done them before. We, we used to teach three month to four month long things in Sweden in the forests years back that was full-time martial arts training morning till night. Um, and I, I've always kind of done those during the summer and even in recent years I've done Nagong for a month retreats in the summer so these kind of full-time retreats but but I think this is probably the last one you know it's like I've done these three-month ones I think it's one month but I think this five-year retreat is the last one and, and I realized by the time this finishes I'll be 47 48 years old I'll be coming up to 50 which doesn't mean that I can't do martial arts of course but it probably means that I'm not going to have the motivation I wouldn't have thought to teach full-time in this kind of setting this kind of retreat setting I would imagine my teaching will probably become a bit more relaxed and focused on uh, the more internal or spiritual meditative side of the training I would imagine I think that's the natural evolution for the path so this is kind of like you know just before a candle goes out it flickers and it <laughs> that's what this retreat feels like for me so I'm, you know, going through in this and, and getting to do the training with people. And it was interesting trying to explain the point of martial arts training to people who aren't, I think it's fair to say, it's not a crit criticism, but I think say they're not natural martial artists. Some of them are actually, some of them are, some of them have backgrounds in Muay Thai and things like that here. And I think there's an MMA guy and some people like that. But on the whole, most people here are more inclined, I would say naturally towards Qigong or Tai Chi or meditation. Um, which is funny, it's the opposite of me. I'm more externally inclined. That's kind of how, who I am. Um, so I've had to kind of overcome that inclination towards external training in order to study the introspective arts and the internal arts. And it, it's funny, it definitely doesn't play to my natural extrovert, quite a sort of physical self. You know, I, I'm quite, I like using my body. So over the years, I've had to kind of overcome that hurdle and do something that's not natural to me. I'm not a natural introspective person. Um, but it's quite funny teaching people who are naturally a bit more introspective than me, where the internal arts are more natural, and trying to explain to them the point of doing the opposite, that on the whole, something that is not natural for them. Trying to explain the, the sort of psychology of why we do the martial arts. And that's been that's been really, it, it reminded me how much fun it is, you know, and what a challenge it is. Because when you first start teaching something like martial arts, like it struck me when everybody's here, everybody has a very different view of what Eastern martial arts training is. Um, you know, everybody will have a different view. Some people it will be what they've seen on TV, Kung Fu movies. Some of the people it's about fighting. Others in their mind, they have this idea it's about 
spiritual growth, some for health, some for curiosity. Some people are very style focused, you know, the ones that always talk about the difference between this system and that system and this system and that system. And different brains have different ideas and nobody really I knows Oh, I don't think I don't I don't think there's a shared idea of what martial arts training is a, is about. So it's quite funny that when you when you get people turn up to a martial arts retreat, you kind of realize, or I realized, that everybody's here for a different thing. Like because they don't even they don't even have a shared idea of what martial arts are, and you can't give an objective definition. You can't because they're so multifaceted. That it's almost impossible for there to be a consensus for what Chinese martial arts on the whole are about. And you can see that online. You know, you're watching this on, on social media, I'm sure, or listen to this on social media, so you're familiar with social media and the debates that go on. And there's some that are determined it's about fighting, and others that are determined it's about a cultural thing. Chinese martial arts are an expression of Chinese culture, and other people it's a spiritual thing or it's health, or there's no consensus, nobody agrees. And sport fighting and you know all these different ideas so you can't possibly hope to encapsulate everybody's understanding of martial art within one definition you can't really do that so all i decided to do with this in the end was i had to present to people how i viewed martial arts and what i viewed the point of them to be and that was kind of how i opened and that was interesting because i never really I mean, I've hinted at it and I have an idea, but I've never fully kind of expressed that verbally, just said what I view the point of martial arts to be and then to see. And then watching the, the reactions on the faces of people who are there to learn, to see whether that's sunk in or whether they get you or whether it's what they want. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see because if you don't gel with your teacher's idea of what the art is about, obviously it's going to be difficult because maybe... Say, for example, I'm not interested in sport fighting. That doesn't interest me um, very much. I think it's really cool. I'm definitely not down on it. I'm not one of these people that's down on something because I don't do it. I think that um, the level of skill involved in it is, and bravery and all those kind of things is very admirable. I definitely do. But it's not my personal interest, you know. So say, for example, I have an idea of martial arts and someone is there for sport fighting. Obviously, I'm going to be a bad fit for them because my training is not geared um, towards that. So it'll be interesting to see as time goes on whether people stay or leave or whatever and I think that would be natural. Some people will decide that I'm not the right teacher for them in which case they should not stay too long in this retreat because they won't get what they want and other people are, their desires or wants will align with mine and, and I think those are the ones that will flourish during the retreat. Um, so yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. So what I was trying to explore, exciting for me, <laughs> maybe not for you, I don't know. But I was trying to explain to them that, um, you know, my take on what a human being gets from martial arts, especially external martial arts at the beginning, is, is quite important in that I believe, it's like my take on it as a human being, certainly the ideal I had when I was younger, maybe it's from myself or maybe it was something that was instilled into me from my family or, or early teachers, I don't know. But my ideal, really, of, of what a person should strive for within martial arts is certainly to a certain degree of toughness and robustness. I think that's important. As a person, I want to be tough. I want to be robust. I want to be strong. These are not traits I don't want because the opposite of strong, robust, and tough would be sort of weak and frail and, you know, easily affected by life like that's the opposite if i'm not strong tough and robust that's the opposite that arises so i want those qualities 
But I also, alongside that, want kindness and I want compassion and I want understanding and empathy and all of these things as well. Uh, I'm trying to aspire to develop those qualities. Now, I think that those two often go hand in hand because as I was trying to explain to guys this morning, like when you're doing the training, when you start to get tired, maybe you're on your 500th bloody straight punch or your 200th front kick and you don't even know why you're doing it anymore and of course you get tired and your body's fatigued and your muscles are aching you're covered in sweat the room smells guy next to you smells <laughs> you know it's just not a pleasant environment and you're kicking and your brain's going what am i doing this for that's the point when all of your sort of worst qualities come to the surface isn't it that's when or certainly that's what i found during martial arts training that you're you you confront yourself for some people they can kind of ride the adrenaline or they like pushing themselves so that excite excitation comes up but for other people it's not the same so if they are you know naturally a bit of an angry person then when they get tired and their body is put under pressure they get more there it is up comes their anger if they're quite a sort of jealous or bitter person that will come to the surface and they start to get jealous or embittered about people around them if they suffer with paranoia it'll get worse when they're tired definitely if you're self-loathing and your self-esteem is bad that will be a lot worse when you're tired you know and and you see it during martial arts and and <laughs> when you're teaching and you watch people as they get tired you see their faces kind of go like thunder and they their faces go dark and you can you can see with newer people, they kind of start to get lost inside their thoughts. And it's very self-sabotaging that as you get quiet, the worst, tired, sorry, that worst part of yourself comes to the surface. And this to me is one of the sort of first benefits or trainings really that comes through martial arts is, is the discipline that you have within your mind, not to push through it, but to recognize that, okay, this quality is arising in me because I'm tired, because I'm being pushed. But... I'm going to acknowledge it, but I don't wish to get drawn into it. I don't wish to get sucked into it. I don't wish to make it who I am. And I think that some people don't like that kind of training, you know. They would think it would be psychologically damaging or difficult. But to me, that's where martial arts training comes in. It's because, look, I feel this way. I'm tired. So therefore, all my dislike for people in the world is coming up and these bad feelings. I'm angry towards the teacher and things like this and angry towards myself, but I'm, I've got a task to do. I've been told to do this technique and I'm supposed to repeat it, so I'm just going to keep going. The more I separate my mind from that, after a while, a couple of things happen. One is you learn to think, okay, actually, I don't have to act according to my emotional state. I just don't. That feeling can arise in me, but it doesn't have to change who I am. I can still carry out a task. Now, already for me, for a lot of people, especially younger people, I think that's a lesson that is beneficial. It certainly was for me when I was younger, that actually if I have a task to do, I can still do that task no matter how I feel. If there is a responsibility I have and I feel grumpy, it's possible for me to separate myself and acknowledge, okay, part of me is grumpy, but that's not relevant to what I'm doing right now. So I'm going to see this task through. I'm going to see this responsibility through. And I think that's important for life because if every single time you feel a certain way, a negative feeling stops you from doing something, well, that's gonna be a major problem in life, isn't it? Because it's gonna be difficult for you to achieve anything. You're subject to how you feel, your negative feelings all the time, that's not good. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing as well is that of course you, you felt that way because you got tired. That's where it comes from. It's like if you've got an abundance of energy, if you sleep really well and you wake up and you've just had two weeks laying by the beach in Honolulu or something like that and you feel amazing, it's easy to be kind. It's super easy to be kind, you know. <laughs> I meet someone in the street 
who's a bit rude and it's okay i can shower them with love and smile at them someone cuts me up in the road and i don't worry i wave to them it's okay someone does something rude to me it's no problem because i feel great so therefore that kindness is radiating out of me but what if i'm tired what if i'm burnt out whatever i'm exhausted you try to sustain that kindness it's a lot harder it's a lot difficult it, you know like when you're exhausted and you think right got to be kind got to be kind and someone cuts you up there comes that grumpiness because your energy levels and your kind your ability to sustain kindness go hand in hand and, uh, to me like spending a life around the spiritual scene i think it's quite funny because i met lots of um sort of spiritual teachers especially when i was younger and i don't mean like actual realized ones i mean sort of you know people who are just in the scene exploring and sort of what would you call it i don't want to be rude but kind of lower level i don't mean that i don't know you can switch that for a politically correct term you know what i mean like people on the lower echelons of <laughs> the spiritual scene amateurs or something who had these really cushy lives they had these really easy lives they had this nice house and they had lots of money for what they were doing and they'd made money from a couple of books they'd written and they were cool and they were chilled and then they were lecturing all these people who had nine to fives and three kids and a mortgage they couldn't pay and they were lecturing about how they should be kind and how they should be compassionate i'm thinking well and I was in the room often. I was one of the guys in the lecture hall listening to this spiritual teacher, guru, whatever, speaking, telling me about how they, how you should be in life. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, but <laughs> like I'm fucking exhausted. Do you know what I mean? I, I've had to work X amount of hours and deal with all this shit in my life to get the money to come along to your seminar to have you sit there and berate me about how bad I am acting when I don't have the energy to act nice, I'm exhausted, so I'm constantly at the end of my threshold, whereas you sat up there on the podium has this really cushy lifestyle where you live in your ashram and you've got everything you need, you get good sleep, good food, good practice, everything is okay, it's very easy for you to sustain kindness. See how easy that kindness is to sustain if you were also burnt out and exhausted. At the same time, I remember a Qigong teacher, a famous one in, in years gone by, and he wrote a thing saying, if you're ever stuck in traffic and you're feeling grumpy and you're stuck in gridlock, don't worry, just relax. Sit, breathe, do some qigong in your car. And it's really funny because this teacher was in a warm state in America. And I remember reading it thinking, yeah, but I live in the UK where it's cold and my car's like shit and falling to bits. And I'm half dying from the fumes because something's wrong with the exhaust. So every time I turn the engine on, it gasses me in here and the window won't close and it's freezing in the UK. So there's rain coming in through the window and fucking windscreen wipers don't work. And I'm driving this old banger because I've got no money. So when I'm stuck in traffic, it's like a gassed ice box. You know what I mean? You want me to sit there and meditate? It, it's just so different, the situations, the circumstances. So I think this is really where, if you understand what I'm rambling about, is this is what I think where martial arts come in. Because it's easier to sustain that quality of kindness or decency when you've got lots of energy. But of course, as you train martial arts, that threshold for energy goes up. Your stamina goes up. The robustness that you have goes up. So when you first start training, you do an hour and you're tired. You do a day and you're tired. You're already fatigued. A day's training kills you. Two weeks into the training, Oh, actually you find i'm not so bad i've got a bit more energy four weeks into the training a year into the training it's like actually abundance of energy i don't get tired when i do this because i'm used to it i'm used to pushing so what happens is your threshold for tiredness goes down and then the rest of life becomes less tiring so it doesn't affect you quite in the same way so it's easier to sustain your kindness simply because your energy levels are higher your toughness is higher your resolve is higher and that is to me is a great boon like that's huge that's massive 
I can sustain my kindness because my energy reserves are higher, so I'm less likely to be in that negative burnt out state. And then at the, the other side of it, of course, is to keep doing what I'm doing, no matter if I feel negative about it, then that means I can separate myself from that a bit more. And the martial arts teaching tells me that as well. So my martial arts teaching, training, sorry, has helped me with my Neigong teaching, no end, because if you teach something like Qigong or Neigong, for example, you don't feel perfect every day. Some teacher, teachers might pretend that's the case, but I don't believe them. There are days where things are shit, you know, if you're teaching often, there's been days where I've had to go and stand on a stage in front of a group, and first of all, I feel pressure about it. For some reason, especially if it's abroad, if, I, if I've traveled abroad to teach, I feel an extra layer of pressure. I don't know why, just some psychological thing that probably shouldn't be there, but it's always the case, you know. I remember the first time I ever taught in America, I vomited in the loo before I went out. It was, I had to have a chewing gum and go out on stage. I was so stressed, so nervous. Um, and I've had days you know, where I felt ill. I've had food poisoning or jet lag and I've had to teach. Or I remember one time I had to teach and I, was, I had a phone call about 20 minutes before I taught saying one of my family members had just had a health emergency and gone into hospital. Nothing I could do, couldn't get to the hospital, so I had to teach. So and lots of those things that happen but you still have to do the same thing. You still have to be on the stage in front of the group teaching or working as a therapist or whatever you do. And the people, in my opinion, the people you are teaching should not know unless you choose to allow them to know. They should not know. They shouldn't know my mood. They shouldn't know that I'm having a bad time. They shouldn't know I'm sick. They shouldn't know I'm tired because I've done enough martial arts training that I can separate the two from one another. So part of my brain acknowledges, oh, fuck. <laughs> Demo, you feel like shit. But the other part of my mind is like, yeah, but I got a task to do because that's the choice I've made in life. I've decided to be this person, so therefore I have to carry out the role and I worry about how shit I feel afterwards. And that, to me, is an ability that comes from this kind of external training. So it was interesting watching in this first week how some of the people who are not used to this kind of training, I could see the dark sides of their nature coming up. You know, there comes the anger flaring up or the rebellion or the unhappiness and some people the self-loathe. I feel bad about myself. The competition with others, like these negative things come up and they, they increase psychologically as people's energy levels go down. And, as, and I think an important part of martial arts training is to, you know, not, not berate people for that, not tell them off or anything or, you know, do the standard martial art thing, isn't it? The stereotype, you're weak. Like, no, 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 no. I think you have to acknowledge it. So we sat down and we talked about it and we chatted about it and say, look, this is what's going to happen. Um, uh, and just understand that while you're doing this kind of training, these kind of qualities are going to come up, but it's no problem. It's okay. Because no matter how bad you feel, don't worry, the guy next to you <laughs> probably feels something similar. But of course, you in your own head, you think you're the only one suffering and everyone else is fine and that makes you feel worse. But it's not. It's, it's a universal trait. And it's certainly normal for people when they're getting used to this kind of practice, this kind of like pushing their body. So yeah, that's funny. It's it, just interesting for me that to teach martial arts and go through that. And normally when you talk through that process with people, with, with students and explain it, they get it. People aren't stupid. Definitely nobody upstairs. It looks like I'm pointing to the heavens. The class is up there, right? Um, certainly nobody training up there is, is stupid. They're not stupid people, but, you know, hyper intelligent, chatting with them, super nice people. They understand. So it's, it's good because I think in martial arts teaching, one of the other areas is we just do, we just push. And I don't think that's the case. I think people are bright. 
So we need to sit down and discuss these things and let's look at this issue that's arising and understand it. And then once we understand it, we underline it by then doing some more hard training <laughs> just to remind you, look, this is what is happening. This is what's coming out of the practice. And here it is again. And, and those kind of things to me, this is the point of martial arts training to me, not the fighting. Um, I think you do need to do some because I think the fighting puts you in a controlled environment at least, puts you under a certain degree of stress. And once again, can you sustain your composure under stress? Can you sustain your center while someone's trying to punch or kick you in the head or grapple with you without flaring up? And, and I know I couldn't when I was younger, like definitely not. Every time I had to spar or fight, whether it was in front of a crowd or whether it was on my own, uh, no, not on my own, not fighting myself, but with another person, you know, in private, or whether it was just within a class, which I did all different types of, of, of fighting, competitive and, and non-competitive sparring with people, lots and lots. When I was younger, I could not sustain my center. My, I, I had a weird two reactions. I would be nervous before I started, always very, very nervous. Then during the altercation, I would get a weird enjoyment arose, which I, I knew was not healthy. Like I, I shouldn't have that level of enjoyment for violence, definitely not. And then rage, anger would come up inside me. And I'd have to try to sort of overcome that in, in this almost psychosis that would overcome me when I'm fighting. And I didn't want that because often the fighting, I wasn't trying to kill the person. I was either competing with them, which is still not trying to kill them. I don't want the person dead or, or, or they're my training partner, you know, we're sparring, trying to learn with each other. So that kind of feeling wasn't helpful. And I had to learn to overcome that, you know, and, and that, that did me no end of good because if I can overcome the rage or the anger or the competitive, at that extreme stress of some trying to punch me and me trying to punch them, then actually in the rest of life, when people do things to you, it doesn't bother me that much, you know, like it's okay. Someone's rude to me. All right, fine. Like someone, someone rips me off, someone ripped me off and took my money recently. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Like <laughs> whatever, because comparatively compared to fighting the stress is less right like martial arts and combative training are a metaphor for stress at its highest levels for me so therefore if i can detach from that stress and not experience it while i'm fighting and still re re retain my center and remain comfortable in that situation then when confronted with a you know comparatively lesser stress in life it's low down on that stressor factor then it doesn't impact me um, and I think that is a major facet for martial arts training certainly when I have friends who aren't martial artists or people around me who don't do that kind of training or even Qigong people or something they're all well and good they're cool and then a little stress happens in their life everything falls to bits you know what I mean the stress the mind the emotions all kicks off because their stress threshold is small Whereas if you've done martial arts and the fighting side of it, not just forms, then the, the stress threshold is bigger if you're good at that side of it. So therefore, all these little stresses, they don't even register. They don't even register. So you're able to deal with them in a more sensible and objective and kind and compassionate fashion, even when people are tricky. I think that's something that's helped me no end with Qigong teaching, because if I had just done Qigong, and people are pretty rude. Like if you teach and you deal with the public, they're pretty rude. The things people write to you, they're rude. The things people say on courses, they're rude. Like, it, it's, it's tricky, and there's always challenges and things like that. But I don't think they've ever really phased me because none of them compare to the stress that you're used to dealing with in a combative situation. And this is something I was trying to explain to the guys here. This is another point of the martial arts training for me. So your, let's call it your stress threshold, goes up. 
so that you're able to retain your center and be who you are in difficult situations, what that will naturally lead to is more of a leadership type quality, whether you want to or not. You don't, it's not like you try and force yourself to be in charge, but you will find you are. If there's a stressful situation and everyone around you is panicking, they'll start to look to you because they'll look at you and they'll realize that person's not stressed, that person is still organized, that person is able to think objectively. So you end up becoming a, a center, like a rock for the people around you. And isn't that the point of martial arts training? Isn't that one of the sort of stereotypical traits we associate with the Kung Fu master, you know, Kwai Chang Kane or whoever it is, and all the things we've all watched in the media, who was the centerpiece, the rock for their community, even if he was wandering from community to community at those difficult times. These are ideas we know, and yet, not only are they ideas we know, they're ideas that we admire like if we hear people talk about another person, the admiration we have for a stoic rock-like person, that, oh, that person's so good to depend upon, they're so dependable, they're so strong, they don't bow, and like we, we admire those kind of people, and yet often we're not prepared to go through the process that leads you to become that sort of person. You're not gonna become that sort of person by giving into your emotions and giving into things like boredom, which is a terrible human trait, and giving in to all of these things that distract you and take away the discipline that prevent you from becoming that person. And that's where the martial arts training come in. This is why I have it before the internal training for the long-term students, the ones that are here for a long time. I mean, it's not before, it's alongside, actually. To be honest, they're doing internal training from the beginning. They're all doing alchemy. They'll all do a bit of Tai Chi. But, but their mainstay is to build those qualities into themselves. Because I think it's like... You know, all the people I've met who are very good at internal training, who I would consider to be very good subjectively from my perspective, of course, whether it be Tai Chi or Alchemy or Qigong, whatever it is, most of them, all of them, yeah, all of them, to be honest, have some kind of background that I can think of in external martial arts or external combat. And I don't think it's to do with a technique. It's not because they know how to make a fist better or something like that. I think it's because of these qualities that I'm talking about, the ability to remain stoic and centered while sustaining your kindness and your decency, maintaining your morality and your virtue and your stronger characteristics in the face of adversity and even in the face of discomfort and tiredness, which is huge. That's a huge thing for a human being to achieve. And I think having those qualities translates across on some kind of subtle level to skill at the level of the internal arts as well. It's like if someone comes to Tai Chi training, I want to do Tai Chi. Okay, how old are you? 70. Okay, no problem. That's good. We can learn how to help you with your joints and your body, and this will ought to be really good for you. 50. Okay, no problem. That's good. 20. Why? Why? Nothing wrong with it. You know, you can do the Tai Chi, but I think it's an awful waste when someone comes to it at that age who doesn't also put themselves through some external training as well. I think that's wise. I mean, maybe it's different if it's like therapeutically you need something like Tai Chi or something like that, but if you're taking a longer picture, you're a dedicated person, you want to go through your life, I think that external training first can be invaluable or at least alongside i know you people say don't do external training alongside your tai chi because it will prevent your development in it fair enough but maybe there's more important things at the age of 20 or through your 20s or your early 30s away maybe there's more important things than becoming the best far at that age maybe it's more important that you develop these kind of mental qualities of kindness and understanding that you can sustain in the face of pressure prior to really throwing yourself into those art it's a long life why why want to master that at the beginning Build yourself up first.
So, yeah, so that's, you know, just my thoughts at the end of the first week, really, which has been largely external training with some Tai Chi in it. What we did, actually, if you're interested, we did a lesson on Mabu and stepping, footwork. We did a lesson on straight punching and the front kick we studied. And then internally, we looked at some of the opening drills for Tai Chi in order to open the body and sink the Chi. Um, we looked at getting the mass to the floor and then the open section of the form. We got quite a lot done, really. And then I sort of taught them the basics of stretching and how to mobilize the body properly. So, yeah, a fair bit for a week, you know. Um, they've got lots to practice. And it's really good seeing them because get to the end of the day, it's very telling, like, <laughs> when you finish a day, you teach a day of martial arts, you can always tell different types of students. Some of them are just exhausted. And I say, fair enough, if you're exhausted, lay down, man, get your energy back, go for a hot bubble bath, get some Epsom salts in there or something like, do what you need to do to recover. I, I have full sympathy for that group. But then you get some, especially younger ones that have lots of energy left because of course they're fucking 20, aren't they? And they've got bundles of energy. Um, I did when I was younger. But, but, and those guys fall into two crowds. There's the ones that finish their training and they're desperate to do anything else. Do you know what I mean? I've got to get out of here. And they don't say that. They enjoyed the martial arts training, but maybe, but the rebellion in them is like, they've got to go do something else. I've got to get to a cafe. I've got to get to a bar. I've got to go do something. I've got to go sightsee. And I've got, I've got to do something. Do you know what I mean? I've got to, and it's like the pent up desire to get away from the discipline. And then there's the other type of student that finishes a class and then wants to carry on. You know, they're like, oh, well, I want to revise this now. I want to build it into my body. I want to do another hour or two. I want to sort of work this and figure out how it is. And, and I think that everybody falls into one of those three characters, uh, categories. Exhausted, want to get away and do something else, or carry on the training. I'm not anti any of those three outcomes, certainly. I think the people that want to get away and do something else, I can empathize. That's people that want a bit more balance in their life, perhaps. The people who are tired, I can definitely empathize with. And then that other group I can empathize with as well because I was more that group because I had a real obsession. So often at the end of a course, when I was attending it, um, especially with the internal arts, I used to think, I've got so many changes left. I'd go out to the car park afterwards to practice more with the other mentally ill level of obsessives and things like that. And um, I get it. And, and it's been really nice to see that there's, there's all three in this group. All th I'm assuming they'll listen to this later. So all three groups are fine. Like I'm totally fine with it. It's cool. Uh, you need to get balance if you need to rest if you get, if you want to. But it's really nice that that obsessive group is actually quite big. It's quite sizable. Um, whether they sustain it as they get tired, I don't know. But definitely, there's a lot to work with there. You know, there's a lot of potential. And I think that, yeah, this group they're very coordinated. They're very keen. They're very intelligent. I think it'll be a good group. I think it'd be a good group. I have have good feelings about this retreat, you know. Before it started, I was a bit like, what have I done? <laughs> what have I committed to? What am I doing? And I spoke to some of my friends, other martial arts teachers, also saying, what are you doing? Five-year full-time retreat? I'm like, yeah, I know. I know, but I feel, I feel I want to, and I feel that I kind of, almost a duty to do it a little bit, and also I like challenges, I like pushing myself. But it was right before it opened, I was like, what am I doing? But now it's opened and I've got to the end of the first week, I feel positive. I feel very positive about it. And I think people will do good things. And I think that some people who come out of this retreat at the end of five years, hopefully will, will be a good influence upon the martial art world, the internal arts world, and also their general communities. Um, and all I can hope is I have even slightly a good influence upon them <laughs> during this time.
But we'll see if I still feel the same after a few more weeks. We'll see. Maybe I'll be so exhausted that um, maybe I will be the biggest hypocrite and all of my negative traits will have come out. Let's find out. So thanks, guys. Just wanting to give you an update and share my thoughts. Mostly share my thoughts with me, really. This is my end of week sort of contemplation, speaking to myself time. I just thought I'd include the camera in it as well. So again, sorry if these rambles are just irrelevant to you guys listening but you can just skip them you know if you ever see a podcast and you want to hear the interview of the person i'm chatting with because as you can see i was supposed to have a guest this one set up but i ended up wanting to talk about this instead on this one but you can just skip those and listen to me chatting with somebody um because these solo ones that's what they're going to be they're just me rambling on about my <laughs> my random thoughts uh, anyway thanks very much i'm going to um go and uh, 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 take a couple of days off no i'm not that's not true I got to over this weekend get to the other building and uh, make sure that the building project is going well because it's not quite finished and we need the other building ready for three weeks time um, when a bunch more students turn up so yeah busman's holiday thanks very much guys